You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so at 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Um, I've been thinking about one of the propositions from yesterday about one three-minute phone call, and I think I kind of like it. Um, and then I was kind of thinking about, well, how do you, like, when, when are you allowed to call back in? Um, and I think, I feel weird saying 24 hours cause it's like news breaks. And it's like, oh shoot, I can't call back again. Cause I already called about something stupid. And I also don't want people to get too frustrated to where it's like, ah, oh, screw it. I just won't call that stupid show anymore. Stupid rule. So I'm, I, I, I guess I'm still kind of working out the kinks of it, but I do generally like it. And I'm not going to check, you know what I mean? If you're five calls later and it was 12 hours later i don't really care the point is it's not back to 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 back so you know maybe just if you want to call back two hours later and hope that somebody called in that time span i guess that's i you know you know what i mean like i don't really know what the rules are i guess if i just see a string of like five calls i'm not gonna go through them now i'm not gonna necessarily implement that today because a lot of people have called in with uh, thoughts and uh, didn't know the rule, and that's not fair. But uh, let's just say starting now, for you, not for me, because I've got several days to get through. If you want to call in, make sure you understand exactly what it is you want to call in about. Get that thought or those thoughts condensed as much as possible so that you don't get cut off at the three-minute mark. Let's try it out, all right? But anyways, let's uh, get this thing started with uh, Mr. Nate. Let me turn up the volume just so you can actually hear what he has to say. Make sure all the settings are right. Bing, bang, boom. Nate, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. It's Nate. Um, calling because I'm listening to Packernet After Dark, um, and I have no idea when this call is actually going to come out because I know I had like 90-something other calls. But when this does come up, um, I'll reference what you had said you were mentioning um, uh, how obsolete CDs are, and you were like, when's the last time somebody actually used a CD and put it in something? Well, I, I hate to call you out, but I like not that long ago, um, the Cowboys used a CD in their offense. Go back out. Wow. That was bad, Nate. <laughs> Oof. All right. And I was gonna say, well, what what did they put? They 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 put them in the offense, I guess, or something. I don't know. Oh, that's how we're gonna start things, huh, Nate? Okay, all right, all right. Hey, Ryan, it's Jimmy. Um, I have a very very simple point to make. All this talk about the Jets and the Packers and who's going to be better and when was the last time Rodgers had a team this good? None of this has anything to do with the quality of the players or the age of the players, or anything other than, or even like, um, I don't think it even has much to do with Gutekunst, really. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit, because really what it comes down to is this is Roger saying that he knows best. This is Roger saying, trying to prove that if everybody would get out of his way, he would be in a better situation. Um, this is, that's what it comes down to. He kept trying to alter LeFleur's stuff and simplify it and whatnot, and um, this is him going out to prove that if he gets to do it his way, he'll be more successful. He's even bringing all of his guys to prove it even more precisely. Like, check it out. Even with the same guys, if we just listen to me in the first place, uh, which, of course, gets into him trying to prove something to Gutekunst because he's insisting on the guys in the first place as well, uh, then there will be more success than the others. It's not a logical thing about, like, you know, does the defense from last year qualify as highly as the defense from this year or, you know, whatever, any of those things. Um, or even, like, he never got the whole thing about 
um, not having any weapons and then bringing the same weapons over there. Bottom line, he thinks he knows best and he is eager to prove it by um, removing the other factors from the equation uh, and just letting him take care of it. So, see what happens. I don't think it's going to work out, but we'll see. Go back up. Yeah, I had kind of mentioned something similar to that in terms of I wonder if this is going to be Aaron Rodgers kind of getting his way because we know Nathaniel Hackett kind of allowed – I mean, even Matt LaFleur seemed to be kind of um, a pushover with some of this stuff, but you wonder if you know Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers together, it's going to look a little bit more like the old Mike McCarthy offense, which uh, Rodgers has been glowing about, the beauty of it and all that. But at the same time, I, I do feel like – although it's possible Hackett hire was um, primarily to get Rodgers, in which case they wouldn't care about what offense is run. But, you know, they do have a San Francisco guy who brought in a Matt LaFleur guy with the, um, I'm assuming, some expectation that they're going to run that style of offense. But, um, yeah, at the same time, Rodgers has him over a barrel. So that was kind of a, a, a question of mine. Is, is Rodgers going to say, I want this to be sort of what the offense looks like, and they just completely get out of his way? Again, in which case, I don't think there's going to be any Matt LaFleur, Shanahan-type stuff in that offense. He didn't like it. He said he loved it until it came over there, right? I remember when, uh, again, Mike McCarthy, when, when we had that, and then we played the 49ers, and he, he glowed about it. Like he, loved the, he loved the offense. He thought it was fantastic. It's really something to watch it. And then that comes here, and he's like, I don't really like it. You shut your brain off, and it's stupid, and I don't, I don't, I don't like any of that stuff. So now he wants to go back to the other offense. But in terms of, you know, you know, which team is going to be or, or, you know, when was the last time he had this much talent? It still kind of comes down to the talent, you know. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Listening to the pod today and the after dark from earlier. I want to talk about the uh, draft process and valuation, EPA and all that stuff. Um, the after dark caller, I don't remember his name, but I remember he has been listening since the Brett Hundley days and you got him through his commutes for med school. So, there you go, buddy. Um, I don't know your name. <clears throat> but his comments on just trading back and stacking up six and seven girl picks. I think the issue with that is sure the process is um, uh, fundamentally it says you should probably do that, but if you look at talent, there's a lot of diminishing returns when you get, once you get into the later rounds. Right. You got to look at where these, the, the value of the draft is. Say this year was a second round. There's so many second round grades are spilling into the third. <clears throat> so I think that's kind of where the process is going to guide you in that regard. Um, and in, in addition to your um, your call or your tent, your call. He comments on the pod about the dogma of the process and how you're, you have this free quarterback that lines up the process and your evaluations and, and everything else like that. Um, and you don't need them. You want to build the best roster at that point. The process tells us that we should trade back at that point. So I don't know. I'm sure you're probably going to cover it here when I finish listening because I knew I was going to forget what I had to say. So anyhow, um, kind regards. Yeah, I mean, again, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just starting to dip my toe into these waters a little bit. Um and, you know, again, the from the data standpoint, generally, I think trading back is, is a better option. But I think that has to do with the overvaluing of the picks at the top end in particular. But there's still some other questions. And, you know, for example, you know, if you continue to trade back, there, there is still, you know, from, from even a data standpoint, when you look at the talent and the talent curve. Um, but, but even beyond that, you know, Let's say that there is somewhat of an overvalue. In other words, people are always willing to overpay, right? Um, so again, if we just use the dollars thing, if you have the first overall pick and you have $100 and people are willing to give you like, you know, whatever, $150 worth to move up. Well, 150 is better than 100 But at the same time, you got to kind of ask yourself, 
you know, let's just say you had the first round pick every year. Do you want to trade it away every year? Because there's also, you know, again, when you look at that talent curve, do you, do you want to keep giving away that number one spot? If you're ever going to get a quarterback, he's probably going to be there. Maybe not necessarily. You know, you could still get a, a good quarterback a little bit later on in the draft, you know, depending on how far, say you trade back to 10 and just get a massive haul every time or something. It'd be because they overpaid and you got more money, but you're still missing out on the Bosa's and probably the starting quarterbacks and all that. And, you know, don't you want some of that on your team? So, <clears throat> you know, that they're, it, it's, it's not as simple as just the dollars because they're not just dollars. It's not just $150 for $100. You know, there's still a question of um, the actual talent that's sitting there at one that you cannot get once you trade back or, or probably will not get. And so I think there is an argument to be made for, for even turning down the 100 Even though they are willing to overpay, you should stay and pick because you do want this there, even though that seems um, from, a, from a straight dollar standpoint, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I think there's at least an argument to be made, you know, especially if we're just talking about the quarterback thing. If you need a quarterback, is it worth trading back? And then you can look at it and say, well, if it's a quarterback, the, the value is actually higher because the value that the quarterback will have over the course of this, that, or the other is going to be more than, you know, the other players or whatever. So I don't, I don't know. But I, I think there's a lot more to it than just, you know, as I said, rather than just trading back no matter what, I think there's a lot more that goes into the calculation of it all. But in a general 101 sense. Typically, the reason trading back is a good idea isn't necessarily even the trading back. It's the fact that teams are always willing to overpay. And if they're willing to overpay, then it would be um, silly to not take them up on that. If they're willing to give up more value than you have to give up, then you know it would make sense to take the extra value. Because that's all you're really doing in a draft anyways, is accumulating as much value as you possibly can. But again, there's, there's more... Uh, there's certainly more to it than just trading back is always the right answer. You know, there's there's a lot of other variables. Again, quarterback would be one of them. If you're sitting there looking at a quarterback, even if somebody's willing to overpay, the value of a quarterback trumps whatever they're willing to, to give you. And then, yeah, taking into account the value itself. Because, you know, as, as you were kind of alluding to, if you just keep trading back and accumulate all fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks, well, then if you look at the, the, the curvature of the the value of the draft, typically speaking, you're probably not looking at a bunch of players that you would put on the field and expect to be championship quality players. Hey, Ryan. I think that it's about time that we put this third round curse to bed be nice. once and for all. And here's the main reason why. I think from here on out, the next time you hear the word curse and the word craft in the same sentence, it's going to kind of go like this. Linebackers are cursing Kraft as they leave him, they leave them in the dust. D-backs are going to be cursing Kraft as they pick themselves up off the field. <laughs> Defensive coordinators are going to be cursing Kraft when he scores a touchdown on them. Cole Komet is going to be cursing Kraft every time Kraft says, yeah, I'm dating your sister even harder. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are killing me today. That's pretty good. Fair enough. They're, they're, you know, they're going to be... Cur I, I, I get it. I, I won't explain it because it makes the dad joke an even worse dad joke. But uh, well done, Garrett. Thank you very much. Hi, Rye. Hey. This is 1265 fan. How you doing? So, unfortunately, I'm not going to take the reins on doing the video thing because, well, I know myself... And they get all excited about something, and I do it for a while, and then something else raises its head, and I just kind of drop that. You sound exactly like me. Unfortunately, I forge ahead and do things to a large audience and then stop doing it. So everybody watches me give up on all my projects, but um, I appreciate you knowing yourself better than I do and just not starting. So I don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah. So I'm not going to raise my hand for it, but I do think it's a cool idea. Yeah, it is. And if there's any other... Any other listeners out there that might want to pair up so it's not a burden on just one person, maybe I could do that. There you go. But let's see what people think. Um, anywho, I was kind of thinking, I know that Clayton believes in a, a window in regards to having a chance at a Super Bowl run. 
So I was thinking about that, and I looked into when that when the TV deal money kicks in, which I have found out is next year. Okay. And the reason why I looked that up, because I thought, you know, Goody is making a lot of moves this year and was really adamant at getting something this year from the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of excited for next year already. I, I'm not trying to rush this year by any means. I'm so excited. Can't wait to see Jordan Love. I am not expecting us to get to the playoffs. If we do, we, I don't expect us to go very far. Um, but I'm telling you, give us a year to try to gel these young kids. Mm-hmm. Next year, the TV money comes. Goody can load freaking up because we no longer will have Aaron Rodgers on the books. And I know we're going to have to sign Jordan Love, but just hear me out here. We have a lot of young players, and a lot of them will still be on rookie contracts. Next year is the start of our window. That is my opinion. What does anybody else think? I'm kind of excited to see this all play out. All right, bye. Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't know. I I haven't really got into the the headspace of trying to think about windows and and how all that works. Um, It's kind of interesting to think about, I guess. I mean, I, I, I guess... Generally speaking, the way the the Packers have done things, especially under Ted Thompson and whatnot, is to make sure that you extend the window as long as possible, right? Um, as opposed to what a lot of people think about a window or, or the way that things have been recently, which is a compressed window, which I guess you don't really have a choice when your quarterback is kind of on the way out. You know, you kind of start to panic and do things that... Uh, you otherwise wouldn't, but but generally speaking, you want to extend that window. So, I mean, just off the top of my head, I, I would I would assume the window starts right now. And the only reason I say that is similar to the whole rebuild thing. When I look at the roster, there's nothing right now that needs to be rebuilt, right? You could say, well, we don't know about the quarterback. Okay, so are you saying the quarterback position needs to be rebuilt, that we should cut Jordan Love today? No? Okay. That's my point. As far as we know, we have the quarterback, we have the wide receivers, the offensive line, the tight ends, the running backs, the defensive line from end to end, the linebackers, the corners, and we'll see about safety. If that is the reality, then the window absolutely starts this year. Even if they're a little bit raw or whatever, this is the window. Now, that doesn't mean we're expected to win it or anything like that. It just means we're not going to put any kind of limitations or do anything that would set up this team for future years as opposed to this year. Because we have everything in, in, in place. We're not going to put a limiter on this season. And then the goal is, from this year until as long as is humanly possible, we do everything we can to just extend that window. Not compress it and do what a lot of fans want to do, which is all in. Because all in makes it so that we compress the window to you know this year, maybe this year, next year. Maybe we can do that for like three years before you kind of have to break it up. And we, we, we have to close the window tear down, rebuild, and then start a new window. What we want to do is make sure that we extend this window so that every year we have a legitimate shot and as good of a shot as we can possibly make it without damaging next year's shot, right? We, we, we want to preserve the health of future years while giving ourselves the best possible chance we can this year. Now, again, there's a difference between leaving the window open for this team and having actual expectations of a Super Bowl run, Right? But it, 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 the point is, we don't know that this team isn't good enough, right? It's different than, for example, the Bears and the Vikings and some other teams out there where you look at it and you go, I know this is not the future. I know this is not the team we're building. We don't have a quarterback. We don't have what we need for the future. That's a different situation. For the Packers, as far as we know, we got the quarterback. We got everything ready to rock and roll. Of course, there's going to be tweaks. There's always tweaks, but we, we are in a window. So... Without having given much dis, much thought or discussion into um, windows, that would be my first thought off the top of my head: is that the window's open. It starts now, and this and and the goal now is to clean up the salary cap as best as we can, so that we can make sure that moving forward we give ourselves the best possible chance every single year within this hopefully very long and extended window. Now, if Jordan Love. You know, if if it's kind of a disaster with him, 
you know, I, and that's going to be kind of a tricky thing too. Is is do the Packers pull the plug after one year and you know draft a quarterback, or which I guess if you draft a quarterback, you don't necessarily have to pull the plug, but you're you know basically pulling the plug. He can play next year and then you know just lose his job after that. I don't know, or win it and then it's like, oh crap, we got this other quarterback. But the the bottom line is if if Jordan loved or or whatever else turns out, you know these wide receivers just are not good or or whatever. Then we kind of have to reassess the whole window situation and say, okay, we, we need to do some, you know, so it's sort of a close for renovation thing, you know? If you're searching for a quarterback, the window's closed. Hey, Ryan, you deleted the old calls, so I know. And one, I said, I am Trevor from Virginia, but I'm also known as Trevor, the software engineer. So, hey. you know, you had mentioned your AI bot wanted some code done and stuff, you know? You have a number. It'll be the official, uh, official uh, software developer of the Packernet podcast. Dude. Um, and along those lines, you can... This is my second offer, by the way. I'm getting excited. Hey, anybody else that knows some coding stuff or software engineers, which I don't know if I need more of Trevor's software engineer, that should be good enough. But uh, yeah, dude, I uh, I will be hitting you up probably today because um, I... The, the, the bit, I told my wife this the other day because so many people are really good at just... My wife is one of these people. She can just start a business and it just works, right? I remember this happened many, many years ago. I had all these ideas. I had a, and I'm running in a million different directions. And, and one of my biggest issues is every time I have an idea, I have a new idea. And even if it's the same business thing, I, it always needs to get bigger. It always needs to evolve. It always needs, oh, man, why did I call it the NFL this, that, or the... Because you know, I can expand it to other sports and, and, and imagine like it's, 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 you know, all this, it, 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 you know, it's just, it's just bigger and I can't just freaking sit still. And my wife's like, we should just do eBay. I'm like, That's freaking stupid. You don't make money on eBay. We eventually try eBay. And of course we're making more money than I ever have with all my brilliant business ideas. And I feel like a freaking idiot because my wife doesn't even care. She's like, I don't know, make a little extra money, whatever. I don't know. And she just does stuff and it just works. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm so stupid. Why am I so bad at this stuff? But that's how I am with AI, right? It's like I have an idea, and then I forge ahead, and then I'll put a couple hours into it. I'll hit a wall, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. As as I'm working on it, I don't like the idea as much anymore because more questions come like, what are you going to do about this? How is this going to work? I get overwhelmed, and I'm like, well, and then it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it gets to the point where it's unmanageable because instead of this small idea that actually would probably work on a small scale, it became this big thing that there's no way I could possibly build or ever manage. And then I give up and move in a new direction because as I'm doing this, a new idea has popped into my head. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go in this direction. And it's just the, the process repeats over and over and over again. And then that's been weeks and it's been months and I haven't done a single thing. And it's like, are you a freaking idiot? Can you just sit down and complete something? <laughs> so anyways, I'm currently in that process right now. I have an idea. I love it. Trevor, I am going to hit you up. I also have another person that hit me up. Uh, there, he he works for a company that actually does AI things, and so today, so this is going to be this is going to be a busy day. Good thing it's Saturday. I'm going to reach out to him. We're going to work on some trial runs because uh, that that could be actually a lot of fun and some really cool content. But then, uh, Trevor, I'm definitely going to hit you up on another idea that I have. It is football related, and I'm pretty jacked about it. You know, that that's the other cool thing about the robot is I don't know how to do any of this stuff. There's been things that I've seen other people do and it's like, oh man, I wish I knew anything about that because I'd love to play with that. And it's like, oh wait, hey robot, how do I do this? And they're like, oh yeah, it's freaking simple. Just download this and then download this and then install this package. Just use this code to install this. And then, you know, do, and I'm like, okay, well, how do I use it? And it's like, well, what do you want to know? And it's like, well, uh, how about this? And it's like, oh yeah, just call this and then do this and then type this and then it'll pop up. I'm like, holy freaking crap, dude. It's been eight minutes and I have all this stuff. I don't exactly know how it all works and I don't know what any of this stuff is. And I got a bunch of garbage on my computer now, but uh, that's crazy. So anyways, sorry, I'm just, I'm geeking out and now I'm excited because I got people uh, offering to help out and um, yeah, yeah, this should be fun. We're going to have some fun. Talking about the uh, analytics people and then you call them IT people and just so you know, these are very different things. What? Not that I'm. I sound very offended. Now I can't say I'm not offended, but I'm really not. It's just IT is not the same thing. I get it. What these analytics people do are, are doing is not. I, I've I've worked with IT people. I understand what you're saying. I I get it. Just FYI, I'm not gonna tell you the difference because. Uh, Did I say software engineers are IT people?
I don't I don't remember even talking about IT. I must have said that a long time ago and you've been holding on to that or something. I don't know. But uh yeah, any, anyways, I I get what you're saying. I, I I know the difference between people that swap out, you know, secretaries' keyboards and uh the people that actually write you know the 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 back end stuff that that the IT people are working with. Nobody cares. But anyway, go back go and I yeah, I I like I think there's definitely room to add analytics to the drafting situation. Like, yeah. I think scouts all boots on the ground is always going to be the number one way and watching tape, but analytics can definitely help you, you know, decipher between them once you have them in a rough order. Go back home. Yeah, I, I mean, it just seems like it's a good way to, at the very least, evaluate your process, you know? And again, just try to get a leg up. For, for example, like the trading back thing. It's a good way to look at it and look back over it, and and the the analytics is just telling you like these people are overpaying, and and it, it doesn't mean you have to do what the computers the computer says you have to trade back to trade back. No, now that you have the information that these people that called you on the phone are overpaying, you get to make the decision, right? W- would you rather have more at a later time when the value drops this much generally, and obviously you don't know who's going to be there, or have this player? You know, and if we're talking about a premium position, quarterback, edge rush, tackle or something, you, you might want to sit there and not take that overpayment, you know, because the, the, the general idea is you put too much stock in your own scouting, and so you're, you're overvaluing this pick, and you should just take the extra value, but you don't know what's down the pike. You may look at it later, and you end up taking a, a, a running back and a linebacker. Sorry, Lions, those are the two lowest value positions I can think of off the top of my head. Tight end, perhaps. And at that point, did did they overpay? In terms of the, the general trade chart, sure. But if you talk about, you know, expected career value of these positions, you may have just lost some money, some value. And you should have stayed up there and just took the edge rusher. But then if you do it that way, you're never going to take a tight end. You're never going to take a linebacker. And that's the other thing. Like, the Packers are stupid for taking a linebacker on the first, and maybe they were. But if you are a strict adherent to this, again, it's similar to the whole, well, then you just trade back every single time and you end up just stuck with the entire seventh round. You know, do you put yourself in a position where you never draft low value position? So there there has to be some other modifiers and understandings of these kinds of things. And and, and at the end of the day, we scouted this guy, we liked this guy. And, and you know, the other thing is, too, with the analytics, it, it can't do things like understanding a guy's work ethic and personality and injury history and all those things. I mean, granted, you could probably plug that in and, and you know, I'm sure there's a way to model it. I'm sure there, there, there it already has been modeled, you know, as far as injuries and expected career, you know, uh, generally speaking, we expect a guy to be in the NFL, you know, that is a first round draft pick for, you know, 7.2 years. If they've had a prior ACL injury, that gets cut down to 5.5 years. If they've had multiple injuries, including an ACL, it's down to 4.1. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that's already kind of been done. And then again, you can kind of look at the the value and all that stuff. And I, I just, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to have a big numbers nerd in the back so that when you look at him, just be like, all right, g- give me the, the, the long and short of this and be like, well, look, he's, he's 25 years old. He's got an ACL injury. The numbers say we're going to get four years out of this guy. You multiply that out by the fact that he's an edge rusher, expected value of an edge rusher. When you factor in that year one is not necessarily great, we're talking about three years. Here's the value. It's not a good value. Do what you got to do, at least so that you know. And then again, the other good thing about it is you can compare notes as you go along. You can look back and go, you know, we should have listened to the data on this one. And then as you go forward, you you kind of look at it and say, you know, I, I acted impulsively last time. I learned my lesson. I don't want to have another Jimmy Bob Thornton here situation where I got over enamored with this player and didn't listen to, you know, what, what the, the data tells us about these guys. And so I don't want to do that again. But there there does have to be some kind of a blend. And, and I know that there is. I mean, even even if it's just what we call experience. Experience is just taking data and not calling it data. Right, it's just GMs that have done this for a long time and have noticed patterns, rather than just asking a computer to tell me what all the patterns are to to a very specific degree. Right, at, at, for like the Clemson thing, they know not to touch guys from Clemson, even if they can't really explain what that is. They just know that's a pattern. Whether that's a a good pattern or not, I don't know. Or whether you can explain the pattern or not, I don't know. But the bottom line is, there's a pattern, and it's pattern recognition. And and good GMs, veteran GMs have always noticed patterns. It's the same with age. They probably didn't... Good GMs that have been around for, for, you know, 20, 30 years in the business, 
they know from experience taking a 25-year-old is going to bite you, not just because he's older and you get less years out of him, just because they generally don't pan out. That's a pattern you've probably noticed. And that's all we're talking about with, with the data nerd thing, right? It's just pattern recognition and, and probably a, a decent ability to explain why it, why it happens. But rather than spending 30 years accumulating it, why don't you just plug the variables into the computer, have it pop some stuff out and give you some answers, and then you kind of balance that or whatever, you know? But, I mean, look, it, it, it's a discussion for not me necessarily because I'm still, again, just dipping my toe in trying to understand it, and you can hear my thought process as I'm going along trying to understand it as I go. But there, there's obviously a ton to work through here, and, and the balance is the big thing. You know, again, it's similar to best player available or need-based drafting. Nobody does 100% of both. It's it's a sliding scale. I think it's the same with, with analytics and, and old-school scouting, and that is every team does both to some degree. It's just a sliding scale, right? Um, Kwesi over in Minnesota is known to be an analytics guy, but you know it's not like just fire the whole scouting staff. We don't need them, right? Of course, they rely on the tape and everything else, but they just probably skew more toward data than other teams. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back and uh, do some more calls. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, Cynthia, another office reference. I think it's going to be kind of a thing. Uh, this is Beth from Alaska again, um, and I know you and the listeners probably won't hear this for a long time, but wanted to say I don't think I know Steve from Alaska, oh, but I don't think I know Steve in general. Uh, he might also live down in Los Anchorage. Um, I'm up in Fairbanks, Squarebanks, they call it sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're like the dirty Carhartt people that, you know, like wear dirty clothes to dinner. Um, I feel pretty homeless when I go down to the lower 48. But regardless, Steve's probably more hardcore from, than I am, even if he does live down in Balmy Nicaragua, because he's always walking in the snow he when he calls. And I kind of save my outdoor activities for the summertime. Okay. Also, I wanted to say, uh, I'm not even seeding the point because I knew you were right and I knew it even before I said it. Yeah, I should totally be rooting, rooting for Rodgers to fail for that draft pick for us. But, you know, I don't know if it's like my soft nougaty center. I just can't bring myself to do it. Um, again, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But he was, you know, a really awesome player to watch in my formative years watching football. And so, yeah, I still can't wish the man ill. But, yes, you are logically um, and uh, you're just correct. 
on that. Absolutely. Um, I did have a quick question for you. I've been hearing a lot of chatter on podcasts about how well does Jordan Love have to play, you know, for us to be, you know, a, a, a over 500 team, you know, maybe sneak into the wild card. I hear, you know, top 15, top 10. I'm pretty agnostic on what I think that would be. But, hey, you do a podcast about Packers, so I thought I'd ask you your opinion. Uh, that being said, you may have already covered it prior to this, and I just didn't hear it. Or by the time, because I know your super backlog was called, you may not, or you may have already talked about it. So apologize in advance for that. And, uh, yeah, I uh, appreciate the pod, and go Pack Go. How good does Jordan Love have to play for us to be over 500 team? Um, it's hard to know because it, it depends on how good everybody else is. Ideally, you know, the defense and whatnot and the, the other guys that have kind of been around a while help to carry Jordan as he learns to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But let's, uh, let's look at some other quarterbacks and get an idea just so that I can give some kind of an answer as opposed to no answer. I don't want to say Daniel Jones, Mac Jones range because those teams never seem to win. Um, and again, that could just be in part due to the lack of talent around them. But I can't really use that as a, as a reference point, I guess. Um, but maybe sort of a, um, you know, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith type of player. You know, these are top 15, not top 10 type of guys, possibly even like a Kenny Pickett performance. He was um, 16th. And again, this this all is dependent on how good everybody else is. You know, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, all that. Because, you know, let's be honest, if, if he plays as well as Aaron Rodgers did last year, how good are we going to be? Well, if we assume that the team is exactly as it was last year, we're not going to be very good. But if he plays as good as Aaron Rodgers did last year and the defense is really playing at a high level and we get, you know, Christian Watson for the whole season and he takes a step and Dobbs takes a step and he plays for the whole season as opposed to Lazard and Cobb and, you know, like a half a season of Watson and a half a season of Dobbs and just this jumbled mess of nonsense. And, of course, we have only half a season of our special teams and, and uh, our kick returner and all that. Do we get to 500? Yeah, with the same Aaron Rodgers-type performance. Do we get to the playoffs? I don't know. I don't see when. I mean, again, it, it all just comes down to how good everybody else is. If the team is really humming, he just needs to kind of be a plug-in. He could be Rodgers. He could be Geno. He could be Daniel Jones. It doesn't matter. It'll get us there. We won't win a Super Bowl with it, but, but it'll get us to the playoffs and, and, and give us a chance. If the team is struggling, then we're going to probably need some more like Jalen Hurts, Tua-type stuff, Kirk Cousins, to kind of elevate the team above... Uh, Above its own abilities, I guess. Oh, this is Beth from Alaska again. Hi. I'm not going to use an office opener because i got to oh. save that for a full call. But I'm I don't know if I can take this call if you're not going to do that. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let it slide this time, but um, I'm going to need those office references, okay? Pretty sure in my rambling I didn't mention that if Steve from Alaska does in fact live in Fairbanks, we should meet up for a beer at 9 a.m. because <laughs> the time zone uh, at Ivory Jacks. And uh, watch Packers game. Okay, go Packers. Oh, Stevie boy. What's up, man? Just saying. <laughs> Want to go get a beer at 9 a.m.? <laughs> oh, man. We're, we're matchmaking here. I hear Steve makes a mean pulled pork. So pulled pork, pork and beer could be, could be a good time. I think there's an office reference there, but I'm going to mess it up. Doesn't Michael say something along the lines of, he's like, all my children... And they all grew up and then married each other or something. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Ryan. Dinner from California. Hey, man. I called uh, maybe maybe six weeks ago, eight weeks ago about... It was specifically about Jackson Smith and Jigba. It kind of... Because everybody was talking about like his comps and everything and who he was comparable to and just about how he runs his routes and everything and... I was looking at Jaden Reed, trying to look at it from the same light, and 
just kind of seeing how he, because, you know, you just, you know, you throw it on, you watch, and it's like, okay, he's good, right? But you're not actually, like, looking at, like, what is he doing? How is he getting open? And with uh, JSN, he was kind of like Cooper Cup, where he's not doing anything explosive. He's literally just doing, you know, doing his routes and attacking hip leverage to get open, right? Kind of, kind of like what Cooper Cup does out of the slot. That's why he was, you know, he's a really good fit for a slot receiver, right? Well, with Jaden Reed, he's really, really good, man. You watch, like, a lot of the senior bull tape, you see he does the explosive get-off kind of like Keenan Allen and Devontae where he could create separation off the line with explosiveness, and he just gets, you know, from... From you know, from the zero yard line, he's getting space because he's exploding out, right? Kind of like a basketball crossover. Devontae's you know well known for kind of having that kind of get off. But the other thing he does is he's just he seems just as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba about tack and leverage, right? So the best way I can describe it is is for example, let's say you have an uh, in breaking route, right? Well, you're gonna go up and you're going to attack the outside hip and you're going to uh, use that to get him to slightly turn your hips to outside to get ready for the outside route. You sell it and then you, once you attack that outside hip, once the defender kind of does a slight turn, you come across, right? And then they get they get kind of out of position and they have trouble. It, it gives you that natural separation, right? That's what I mean by by attacking leverage at the at the route. And he actually does it really good. He kind of, um, like, a perfect example who does this better than anybody is, like, a double move out of a, um, out of your breaks is C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's really good at using a double move to do that. And Jaden Reed, he's really good, man. And he's actually probably better than uh, another thing I said about uh, Smith, uh, Smith was uh, he had really good body control. Uh, he was hurt. Um, Jaden Reed was all, you know, you could tell he was hurt. He was having trouble with separation during the season. But he has really good body control, you know. You know, I would say better than Jackson Smith. So I'm excited. Um, yeah, just with everything on how he, he, he looks like a Packers type. He can. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play the other one because it's, uh, the rule hasn't gone into effect yet. But, um, this is kind of almost exactly what I mentioned yesterday. I know you called in on this on Tuesday, so you haven't heard it yet, but um, it's kind of what I was saying in terms of, you know, I, I think what Jackson Smith and Jigba does, for example, is things that don't show up necessarily as flashily as, you know, when you talk about route running, you know, like Zay Flowers or something. It's just, it's right in your face. Now, again, the three cone was great, so presumably he can do it. I just didn't see a ton of it. But <clears throat> I guess my my concern would be for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, what what is the upside in terms of like what is his ceiling? Um maybe that's not even the the best or fair way to say it because again you could look at uh what's his name, the guy that you just referenced, but the the, the point is what is he gonna do better in the pros that he isn't already doing? Because it sounds like he's just an absolute technician, right? But these are all things that can be taught. So he's going to get into the NFL. He's not going to need to be taught to do these things. Clearly, there's some, you know, you can refine it and make it slightly better than it is. But in my mind, you'd rather take a guy like Jaden Reed, who, as you said, already does these things quite well, but also has appears to be much shiftier and much faster. Because if he can be taught to be on the same level as Jackson Smith and Jigbo over the next couple of years, well, then you just have a faster, shiftier version of the same guy, right? I can understand not taking Zay Flowers because of the size, but you can teach a guy, you know, to you know attack leverage and all that stuff, right? So even though I I, I look at it and say, okay, I I understand what you're saying as far as what makes JSN so good, it still makes me nervous because you know how much better is he going to get than he already is? Yeah, I'm just gonna finish up that last point, but yeah, he's a he's a Packers type man. He can run routes really good. He uh has really good body control with his catches and he has yak ability uh before when it was early mccarthy days that's what all the receivers were all talking about i don't know if you remember that but driver jennings james jones they're all the yak guys always trying to get yards after catch right so hopefully uh we can get back to that because that's it, it works 
if you can get easy open passes like slants and stuff across the middle, those are always open. And that's that's what I uh, I watched that Atlanta game um, from uh, 2010. And that's that you know we were doing a lot of that where we you know we get a slant plus five yards and those little three yard catches plus five yards you get eight yards right you just do that all the way down the field and they're pretty hard to stop because um, once you commit to them it opens up the middle of the field so you know when you have the multiple layers you know the slant and then the deep deep overs you know you can't cover them all so you, it's just cool I really like uh, what Jaden Reed offers to the team because he can open up stuff. Uh, if he, you know, if he tears it up short, it opens up stuff for Christian Watson. If he, you know, if if they commit more assets to the middle of the field, then that makes the sidelines more open. And Romeo Dobbs is a really good uh, boundary, uh, you know, deep ball uh, route runner. He knows how to create little nuances to do it. So I'm really happy with Jaden Reed for like really looking at how he gets off the line. So that's all I got. Go back up. But yeah, that that is what's exciting about not just the wide receivers, but the tight ends that we got is that we, we kind of cover the entire field. You know, I mean, Watson really opens things up. That the exciting thing about Jaden Reed and even Robion Dobbs to some degree, because he's a, a little bit of a deep threat, is that you have to respect the speed, especially of Jaden Reed. But he's a really polished route runner, which I mean, honestly, is is part of the reason why I I, I don't want to say I like him more than Christian Watson because that sounds ridiculous, but. It's like if you had a slightly less fast Christian Watson that was a better route runner, and I don't want to say has better hands, but potentially, you know what I mean? But leaving aside the who's better than who, it's just it's, it's the reason to be excited, because there's just so much to account for with the Green Bay Packers offense. Now, again, still have to execute and be able to do all the things, but theoretically, based on the skill set, this is a really, really awesome offensive skill group it really is especially when you look at the running backs and you've got speed you've got power you've got blocking you've got receiving the tight ends you've got you know blocking from from craft but you've got receiving from musgrave and craft you've got speed from musgrave from the tight end position all that with some added mobility from the quarterback you know because this shit broke they must have lied i'm sorry to hear that daniel i didn't uh i didn't i didn't mean to lie (laughs) I'll be honest, I listened to the entire three minutes of uh, the pocket dial from Daniel, and and I think the first little five seconds there was was the funniest part. Hello. What are we doing here with the weird dialing stuff? All right, let's try the second call from Kyle. Hey, Ryan. Hey, there it is. Kyle from Madison again. Just out showing some sunshine, doing some gardening. Nice. Painting my deck and... uh, Listen to your podcast from yesterday, and uh, I really appreciate the insight on kind of what people think about the uh, the conversation where you were just talking about is kind of the nerds, the stat nerds versus the football guys. Yeah, you know, and, and it sounds mean saying that, but it seems to be something that is uh, kind of the generally accepted term, even amongst the nerds. They kind of uh, acknowledge that that's their name in this whole thing, so. I mean, not that I care if I'm being a jerk, but I'm just saying, just just so we're clear about that. And all things being equal, really, the nerds would probably navigate the drafting or the selection process or the big boards perhaps better than the football guys. And I think it's really interesting. But I also think when you look at some of some giant um, corporate decisions over the years, oftentimes... They're backed by solid numbers, solid research. But you stand back after they colossally fail and go, wow, you know, how did this get past the eyeball? Yeah. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of empirical data, you know, showing that uh, Pepsi drinkers preferred a clear, crisp <laughs> beverage. So they watch Crystal Pepsi. Right, <laughs> And I'm sure Coke, you know, launched the new Coke in the 80s because they had some kind of, you know, all the stats nerds said, hey, people are looking for something new. <laughs> uh, you know, so I think you could probably find counterpoints mm-hmm. when you do take the human element out of some of this decision making. So I, I don't know if it directly translates to football, but I kind of think gut level feeling that it does, that there is guys that can just just kind of the eyeball test on a football player as opposed to just numbers. Um, 
And yeah, hey, appreciate the show, man. You make the days fly by. So appreciate the hard work. Appreciate Take that. Care. So yeah, and I think about that with a lot of stuff. I, I feel like with even um, like some, I will say, legislation or potentially some some legal things or whatever, where you know you, you look at it and it's like, well, I understand how we got to this point, but I feel like if we applied even a modicum of common sense, we wouldn't be here right now. You know what I mean? I'll give you an example. There was a uh, um, a video I saw recently. I may have even referenced this before, but the there was a rule, a law in this town that you were not allowed to, uh, I think, feed wildlife or something. I don't exactly remember, but the bottom line is there was these old ladies. There was this very old lady who was out and... Um, I think she was like feeding some cats on the side of the road or whatever. And um she I, I don't I don't remember exactly how it all but the bottom line is this this woman was arrested because she was out after being told not to do this before. She was out again uh, suspected of like feeding cats or whatever and um so they arrested her. Her friend showed up and was another very old lady. And was was saying this is absurd, this is ridiculous, and she was essentially arrested for um, uh, what would you call it? Not resisting arrest, but interrupting a, a, a an arrest or something, interfering with an arrest, and disobeying an order when he was when she was told to get back in the car. And you can look at it and say, listen, there is a law that says you're not allowed to do it. She she's done this before, and so you know, technically speaking, and all the you know, we get so robotic in this is the law. And we just execute the law where the, where the police end up becoming like robots as opposed to just saying like, if we were more just human beings and dealt with people as human beings, especially understanding like, well, it's not fair to, to treat her differently just because she's a, well, it is, it is a different situation. She's an old lady. You don't put her in handcuffs and throw her in the back of a car and then throw another old lady in the back of a car and arrest them for crying out loud for, for giving food to kittens. You show up and you say, get out of here. We told you before you can't do this. Come on now, we've been over this. Get 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 going. You know what I mean? But but that's the, that's the point. Like you get you get to the point where we don't rely on our common sense. We don't rely on any form of, of morality or decency, and we just become robots. You know, the police I, I think are are sort of this way where they're just sort of robotic. And this is my training, and this is what I do, and therefore I execute these commands. They're they're robots. I think politicians kind of we, we get that way with laws that we create and, and then they get applied very broadly and, 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 and I shouldn't even say broadly, more specifically. And so there's no leeway to be able to say, you know, given the circumstance, no, 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 this is the law, period. End of story. And we probably do that because some people take liberties and some people do things that they shouldn't do. And so we have to make very specific rules. You must do this. Otherwise, you know, we don't want any bias or whatever. But we, we're just eliminating any ability of just human beings acting as human beings and, and just, you know, understanding is it's like another example. Somebody was talking before about how we need, you know, cops that just walk the streets again. You know, every, everybody's just sitting in their patrol cars, but you get these guys, you know, they're, they're walking up and down the street. They get to know people. They talk to people. They interact with the businesses, that kind of stuff. You know, they're, they're just lacking that sort of human element to it all. And that's the same with politicians and lawmakers and everything else. And, and the, the point is, it, it's kind of a, a parallel into this, too. You don't want to become so robotic that you just lack common sense. There are times when, when there are going to be numbers that spit something out and you're going to look at it and go, okay, here's the numbers, and then you do something, and somebody with just a modicum of common sense is going to look at it and say, you're a freaking idiot. What are you doing? So, again, it, it, it really should primarily be human beings doing the human things and the scouting and whatnot and putting a, the, the pen to paper and, and getting to meet people and shaking hands and, and building relationships and, and having conversations and then building your big board and everything else. And then the data comes in to kind of inform, you know, and that's why I said having a guy in the back of the room wouldn't be a bad thing to, to just kind of say, hey, just so you know, based on this, this, this and this, these are these are some pretty big red flags. Just keep that in the back of your mind. And if you decide to act on that information, then act on that information. If not, not. But that's why I, I would say that the data needs to be on the secondary thing. Because if it becomes the primary, then you lose that human element. You, you sort of default to it and you kind of just allow common sense to take a back seat. And as soon as you do that, I promise you, data is going to make your team suck. And it's not even necessarily because the data is bad, but you also got to remember, like, like even what, what you were pointing out, that's not bad data. That was bad interpretation of the beta of the data. 
you know, they want something clear. Let's give them clear. That's what the data said. Well, that's not what it said, you dummy, right? That's that's just you interpreting it like an idiot. They want something new, so let's just put new on a can. New. And that's not really what they want. It's just, it, it was a bad interpretation of the data. So that's also another part of it. Allowing the human error of, of the, the fact that you don't actually know what the data says or means. Or that we're putting in bad data and therefore getting out bad data. So you can't trust that 100% either. But, you know, there, there's a lot more to it than data say, so must do. Because I promise you, any team that says, let's just 100% follow the data, it's going to crash and burn. Watch, Numberman's going to come after me now. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be the best team ever. Hey, Ryan. This is Kyle from Henson. Hey. Uh, just want to let you know I traveled back from 2034. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although I could have used that great, great technological power for good, I, I instead wanted to call you back and let you know, actually, now we do use nerds and yep. AI there you go. for drafting. There is no longer humans yeah. involved. Okay. Well, things going well. I'll be honest, man. I, I think that the team that first uses artificial intelligence and that needs to start immediately um it's going to have a really big leg up and and it's it's not even so much necessarily art i mean i don't want to get too stupid about it but this thing that we're calling ai i think is is we're acting as though these llm models that's what chat gpt and everything is is ai it's 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 a thing that is seeming to be a version of ai but that's not to say that there couldn't be other ways to do it maybe even better ways but anyways at the very least, there really needs to be, they need to get some data scientists, man. So, I mean, I'm talking not just guys that know what graphs and numbers look like. I'm talking about machine learning stuff. And now that AI kind of adds an element of machine reasoning, although I'm sure uh, AI people would say that's not necessarily the case, I think there's a lot of potential with what you could get out of it. But, but again, I think there's going to be a lot of pushback because the old school guys are going to look at that and scoff and say, freaking robot can't do what I can do. That's true especially at this stage, I think that's true of just about everything. You know, if you're a lawyer or an artist or any of these things, it's like, yeah, you can't do it. That's true so far. But what the stage I think we're at right now is AI makes you better at what you do. Can't help Joe the janitor, but it it can help out everybody else in, in terms of making you better at what it is that you do. And you need to be finding ways to utilize it. If for no other reason, then you need to understand that this stuff is just going to grow exponentially. And even if maybe there's nothing right now that can help you from an AI standpoint. There will be very shortly, and just having staff on hand that understands it is going to be massively beneficial. Let me, let me give you another example. One of the things that I've always said is the, the ultimate PFF is going to be a system in which there is, it's, it's sort of a machine learning thing. You, you know, they have, I'm trying to think of how the best way to, I've, I've already talked about it before, but the best way to explain it you know how we have um, sort of this expected points thing? All the expected points thing is, is we look at every single play since forever, right? We, we go back, f- whatever, since 2000 or something, I don't know. And we look at all the data and we say, okay, third and four from, the, from your own 20, the expected points on this play is what? It's, it's obviously going to be low. But then if you get a first down, then the, there's, your, your expected points went up. You know, now it's first and 10 from the 30. So your expected po- So the difference between the expected points then and the expected points now is the value of that singular play. What if you could kind of a- apply a similar thing, but it's based on going back and actually visualizing every single play? So you're looking at a nose tackle on this particular play up against these particular, you know, an offense running this particular kind of... So, so there's an expectation of how good of a job you're going to do on a play based on the situation. And then there's what you did based on your speed, based on your the, the amount of pushback and all the visualizing everything. You know, you pushed him back, you know, 0.78 yards within this amount of time and, and being able to sort of grade those things out. What would have to happen is you, you would have to visualize, go back in time, you know, wh- whether it's watching games or whatever and sort of digitizing. The, you know, you know how we see that now where, where you can watch like the little dot move around on the field with a little streaking line behind it. The NFL has these tracers and everything on it. Anyways, the point is we already have AI right now where you can put on images and it can analyze an image. How much would it take to be able to take the data to turn the players into little dots and have it analyze all the data, just feed all the data, every single play into it, to have these expectations for each individual person based on every single thing? You could even put it across from from somebody else. Like in, in this situation, this guy right here is Aaron Donald. What is the average person on this given play 
in this given situation do against Aaron Donald and what did you do? The amount of data that could be gathered from that. And again, I don't think we're necessarily super far from it. We just need somebody to be able to do it. And maybe the NFL will be the 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 only holders of that because they're the only ones that can put trackers on guys and, and find out where exactly they are on the field. But if they can just pump that information into it, you know, this this machine learning, we'll call it, the amount of information that can be done with that is is astounding. And if you can apply that to the college ranks, what would that do in the scouting realm? Imagine just being able to pull up a single dot on a field, every single snap of every single play, and everything from the speed, of, it's the speed, the angles, every single thing is analyzed on every single play, and you can just say, okay, we're going to scout this guy, you push a button, and there's a full printout based on a guy you've never even looked at. He takes bad angles in these situations, and you know, you know, the the, the fatigue starts to set in. You know, you see the, the 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 speed start to slow down as the game goes on to this percentile, and the average is this. And so, I mean, just all this data that would be coming out just as a baseline before you ever set your eyes on the guy. It's just a matter of somebody pushing in that direction, right? I don't think the technology is far away, but we we would have to convert the players into dots somehow, which I think would be nearly impossible at this point because obviously a party, a third party couldn't come in and put their own trackers on guys. And it would be really hard to do it from a just watching it even all 22 to try to manually do it. I guess you kind of could. Maybe you could try to take the all 22 and, and have AI convert it into something. But even, even that, imagine if you could do that where you could just upload a video and it could tell you, for example, miles per hour. It could show you the route concepts or all these kinds of things. I, mean, I don't know, man. There's, 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 there's a lot of possibilities for all this stuff. And again, it's not going away. It's just going to get bigger and, and it's going to get bigger fast. And um, the good old boys can chuckle all they want. They're just going to get left behind. That's all I know. Kyle, you can't be calling in with AI content, man. I just ramble forever. All right, don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can do it all you want. Oh, God, I don't know why I do it, Ryan. I don't know. I don't know why I do it. Every season. Every season, I think that the Bears fans are going to change. Oh, yeah. Every That's... season, I think, hey, maybe they'll look at last year, and they'll, <sighs> and they'll have some logic, and they'll, and they'll say, hey, maybe, maybe we just tamp it down yeah. just a little just bit this year. Maybe we don't, we don't just get cocky and say that we're going to be like the greatest mm. thing since sliced bread. Maybe... And I thought for sure, for you know, and and I even said this last year, even during the preseason, because Justin Fields looked really good in the preseason, right? He had like the one game where he was in like ninety eight grade or something crazy, and I just told him like, look, just wait, all right, just wait, because if if he is this good, and you're right, then you can pull all the receipts you want, and you can have a party. Don't do it now, because if he looks bad, then you just look like like just wait a little bit. It's just going to be a couple weeks. Just see how he does week one, week two, week three. Just wait. They didn't want to listen. Didn't want to listen. And now look what happened. He looked like garbage. And so what happens? You just assume, okay, well, this time they'll wait. Dude, <laughs> they didn't even wait until the start of 2023. They were just in it automatically. Like, this guy's going to be so good. I don't even understand. And the weird thing is they always end on the right note. When the season ends, you start hearing all the grumbling. That's where I start playing the Packernet after darks, and it's... Well, maybe Justin Fields isn't the right guy and all this kind of stuff. And and somehow football goes away for a little while and they start ramping themselves back up. And it's like, how did we get back here? How did we get back here? I don't understand it. Sure, this year. They went bottom, literally bottom of the league. They were the worst worst team in in the NFL. Entirely. And I thought, hey, maybe that's the time when they'll finally cool it down a little bit for at least a year. And then we'll see what happens next year. Maybe it'll probably come back. No. Nope. Nope, all over Twitter, they're, they're like, oh, everybody's scared of us. Oh, everybody's hating on us because we're going to be so good. And, oh, we're drinking Packers tears. And just, I'm like, what? Who, who is, who's hating on you? We don't, we're not, we're not saying anything bad about you that we don't have numbers and evidence to prove. You were the worst. Your quarterback was at the bottom of the league. Your whole team was bad. Well, and that's that's the other thing. It's it's like, well, yeah, I mean, but that doesn't mean Fields was bad. It just means that everybody else is bad. I'm sorry. You put Pat Mahomes on that Chicago Bears team, you're not going to be dead last in the NFL. Right? It's not going to happen. Justin Fields was not good. Period. That's that's just the bottom line. So don't even act like the reason you were dead last is only because of everybody else but the quarterback is that stupid, especially when every single quarterback statistic is negative. There's nothing positive. Not a single thing. That's all there is to it. 
there is no, oh, but this, but, 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 new team, new this. No, unproven, unproven. You know what we do have proof of? You sucked. Go back out. I mean, if you put me on the Chicago Bears team as the quarterback, would I be a good quarterback? Well, the offensive line was bad. Well, the wide receivers are bad. So what does that mean? Does that mean I'm good? Does that, is that what it means? No, right? You, you can't just say he's good because everything else around him was bad. The best you could possibly say is we're not totally sure. Despite the fact that, again, we did actually see the negatives. There's just maybe some excuses for it. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, you guys, please continue to call in. We're making some progress. We're down to 80 calls now, so I think we're I think we're getting there. Um, phone number again, 608-501-0718. I will talk to you later tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.